morning. Well, let me try that again. I must be at the wrong spot. I didn't try that again. I'm tripping. Good morning. Praise the Lord. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us all rejoice and be exceedingly glad in. I thought I was at the wrong joint. I thought I was still at home. I thought I was doing for a second there. I thought I was dreaming. <laughs> like, what? Surely I ain't standing here by my dying self. I know it's 9.55 in the morning and some of y'all still hugging up with your pillow, but man, I need you to let go and let God. Who does do that? Let go and let God. Let go and let God. Say that with me. Let go and let God. Let go and let God. That's what that, that's what First Peter chapter 5 says. When it's talking about casting all of your cares on the God before, because he cares for you. But you got to cast your cares. God won't come and take it. He won't hijack you. He won't pimp slap you. He won't run up on you and, and, and run your pockets. God is, God is such a gentleman that if you want to carry crazy around with you for the rest of your life, he'll let you, even though he'll send people along the way to try to help you get out of it. So let's try that again. We're going to let go and we're going to let God. Because see, guess what? If you could figure it out, you wouldn't, have the, you wouldn't be in the situation you're in right now. And boy, I'm telling you, if there was ever time, boy, this, whew, this message is going to be smoking today. So I'm going to tell you in advance, I love you. It's, good. We go, it's about to cook up in here, up in here today. So you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Brothers, good to see you. Praise God, I've heard so much about you. Praise the Lord. Praise God. This is the day which the Lord has made. We shall, we will, we, we must rejoice and be exceedingly glad. And I don't know about you. You know, we was actually going to be outside this morning, this starting today. And, uh, you know, it was the forecast for rain. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, we plan plan A, plan B. And then when I got closer, Holy Spirit, so you, you're going to need to have this message inside today because they, they're going to have to be focused more on what it is that I'm saying to them through you than focusing on all the elements that's going to be around them, the, the sweet, the sweat, the, the bees, the mosquitoes and all that. And sometimes people try to smile and stand there, but you know, it's irritating to put jeebus out of you. And then, you know, when people are, are it can be hot. So... I just wanted to do you let go and let God. He says, I need you to let go and let God. Literally, what that means is what you're doing when you say you're casting your cares on the God, you've gone to God in prayer. You believe that God heard your prayer. You believe you receive an answer to your prayer. So he needs you to stop trying to figure it out. See, that's believers, we're, we, we, can, we can be very good. We can pray, but we don't know how to let go. We say we let go, but we still watching it. Or we say we let go, but in case God fails, we got plan B. But God says, that's not how this works. He says, when you're trusting in me, you're putting all your trust on me. And when I tell you to move, you move. When I tell you to leave, you leave. When I tell you to say, you say. When I tell you to stop talking, you stop talking. When I tell you to stop doing, you stop doing. That's what it means to be led by Holy Spirit. Prime example, last week, 
Sister Jordan and I are riding down, we're talking, we're joking and stuff on our way to service. But then once service got started, then Sister Jordan was on, was under attack. And my natural response is to go to minister to her. And I tried to, and then everything, okay, oh, she cool, she cool. And then we're going through the service because the word of the Lord was going forth. And then she had it, she had it happen to her again. And it was like, okay, Lord, what do I do? I know in the natural what to do, but what do I do? I know I could have slain and bind this and bind. Mm -mm. He said, I just need you to do one thing. Just hug her today and wherever she be, you make sure you're there with her and I'll take care of the rest. Now in the natural, that made absolutely no sense to me at all. But I said, okay, I'll trust you. So oh, when she would be in a room, I'd be in the room. If she was on the couch, I went to the couch. If she went to the other room uh, to read, I went to the other room and, and just sat down there next to her and just, I was just with her that day. The next day, the father started revealing to her what was going on. And he was the one who brought her out of, who, who showed her what was the source, what was the cause, and how, and it was the way that he did it was totally different than what I naturally was thinking at the time. He showed it to her. I couldn't have showed it to her that way because I didn't see that. All I see was her. Are you listening to me? So you got to trust. If you say you trust God, I mean, a lot of people, I trust God. I trust God. I trust God. God said, if you really trust me, do what I tell you to do. Do what I tell you to do about whatever situation, circumstance you're facing, because all of us are facing something. I don't care who you are. If you're alive on planet Earth, I've had people say, please pray that the door will leave me alone. I like the only way I can do that is, Lord, call them home right now. And oh, God doesn't call you home. You can talk your way home, but he don't just say, oh, you know what? I need another flower in the garden. So I'm, it doesn't work that way. So when you let go and let God, what you're saying is, I'm letting go of the my part and trying to own on how to fix this, Lord, because I'm trusting you to show me how to fix it. And his way works a lot better than your way. My way would have only gave her temporary relief. His way gave her a relief because now she knows how it, how it started and how to get rid of it. Can I get one amen in this Catholic amen. Presbyterian church? I'm gonna tell you something else. I'm gonna tell you something, yes, yes, sir, yes, sir. I don't care what it is. I don't care how long it's been going on. God has an answer to that. So he has a solution to that problem. All he's waiting on you to do is really receive his answer because it's going to be different than your answer. It's gonna be different. It's gonna be different. Remember, Oh, okay. All right. So, Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise, and thank you for this opportunity in your word. We thank you that our preaching and teaching will not be with enticing words of man's wisdom. But, Father, let it be a demonstration of spirit and power. Holy Spirit, you are already here. Continue to move up and down each and every aisle. Touch each and every person. Touch each and every household. Touch each and every person watching this by internet or listening to it on podcast. Father, I decrease that you may increase. All of you 
all of you, all of you. Let them hear your voice clearer than they've ever heard it before for their situation, for their circumstance. And Father, we call it done right now. I covenant with you for miracles, signs, wonders, demonstrations of the Holy Spirit, manifestations of the gifts as you see fit. In Jesus' name we pray, let us all say amen. Now I must make this declaration because this was an instruction I got from the Father many years ago. He says, before you minister, every time you minister, whether it's a Bible study, whether it's a uh, life group, regardless of whether it's on a Sunday service, make this declaration in accordance to Isaiah 61 and 1. He says this, he says, but the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the open of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, a day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities the desolation of many generations. And he said, have you to do this, put your hand up, ball it up in the fist, you got that care, that, that worry, that anxiety, that troubling situation, regardless of what it is, you ain't got to tell nobody, it's between you and the Lord. And, and he said, in the name of Jesus, I declare, I'm casting all of my cares onto the Father because he cares for me. I'm going to leave it there. And I'm going to let go. And I'm letting God. In Jesus' name. Now, launch it as far as you can. Just like somebody who's a fisherman. You're going to launch it out there as far as you can. And you're going to launch it out there way out into the deep which you know you can't walk on water or you haven't walked on water and you're not gonna swim out there to try to get it. But you're gonna leave it there. See, most people, when they go to the altar, they go to the altar, they take it to the altar. And once they cry and, and have that ugly cry and snot coming out out the nose and the whole nine yards, they walk, they, before they walk away, they reach back down, pick it up, throw it in their backpack and walk back to their seat. Whew, I'm so glad I, I did that. Religion teaches you to do that, but that's not how God does it. God says, when you bring it to me, you drop it off at me, you let it go, say, because guess what? When you pick it back up, what you say is, God, I don't trust you to fix this. God says, if you trust me to fix it, leave it there. How do you do that? When you thinking about picking it back up again, uh, 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 nope, I've cast that care under you, God, for I know you care for me. Now, Father, I believe I receive your wisdom, your insight, your instructions on how, what my part of it is. You have a part. People teaching, you don't, have, you don't have to do nothing. God's gonna do it all. That is not biblical. You have a part. And your part is releasing your faith. How do you release your faith? With your words. Father, I thank you that, I, that I've cast all my cares under you. I know you care for me. I know you've already made a way of escape. Thank you for it, Father. I receive it. Thank you. Woohoo! 
ain't nothing changed yet. Ooh. So that's why, see, this, this is what God was sharing with me when I was standing out there. See, I was standing out there because I was practicing. I'm practicing. I'm practicing. And I was standing out there and he says, I need my people to stop being selective worshipers. If there's a song they like, they worship. If there's a song they don't really like, they just did that. He says, I need my people to go in and worship. The reason why he's telling you, you got to go because your worship is your weapon. When you don't have anything else to say, you cut that worship music on, Father, I thank you, woohoo, and you just start praising, and guess what? You get filled up on the word, you get filled up on the word, you get filled up on the word. Don't be praying those, those, playing those songs, those fear, doubt, and unbelief songs, and stop playing all those songs that only talk about you. When you're worshiping, you're worshiping the Father. Father, I love you. I praise you. I thank you. You're a good, 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 good Father. We honor you. We magnify your name. And what you will find out is when you begin to have that as a lifestyle, you will wake up in the middle of the night with your hands in the air, praising God, worshiping him. You'll be waking up in the middle of the morning and you'll start hearing this worship song worship song and you and what you start doing when you start hearing that worship song put that worship song on just begin oh father we worship you you're a good good father that's who you are and guess what happens it be and your angels your ministry angels who are sent to help you you are fueling them to go ahead to do what bring to pass what it is you believe in god for but if you keep in your head hmm, 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 no, that ain't gonna work. If I, what about if I do that? But what if I do that? And what if God told me, he, God told me, Sister Jewel and I something a few weeks ago that he had already given to us and he took us to go see it. And when we were seeing, we was like, glory to God. In the natural, Lord, I don't know how you gonna do that. In fact, I don't even care how you do it. All I knew is I counted done. In Jesus' name. So every day, have I seen the full manifestation of it in the natural yet? No. In the spirit, it's already done. It's already done. And guess what? I talk like it. I don't talk like in the sweet by and by. Someday the Lord's going to. No, 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 no. We talk, man, it's done now. In fact, I've already set up. I can't tell you. I already set up plans for when the tangible manifestation. I already have plans for it. I already have plans for it. I already know the team and the whole nine yards is going to be. And I mean, it's nothing small. I mean, it's far and above anything. I, I didn't. And guess what? I didn't bring it up. He did. This is what I've already given unto you. Well, glory to God. Hallelujah. I wasn't like, how are you going to do that? I was like, well, praise Lord. Be it unto. I was like, Mary, be it unto me. And according to your word, so be it unto me. Now, how he does it, I don't care. I just call it done. And that's what he's telling you to do. He says, you, you too. See, sometimes people can be too intellectually, too analytical, too homiletical, too deep that they miss the simple stuff. If you look at the Bible, the word of God is so simple. I was on a meeting this week and they was talking about uh, some stuff and I was sitting there, I'm like, Lord, even believers, when they come into meetings, they have preconceived ideas and narratives. And even when someone has given them the solution to the issue or problem that they're going through, they can't hear it because they already have preconceived ideas. If you don't, 
this is what you're gonna have to say in this meeting for me to, in order for me to agree with this meeting. And if you don't say this in this meeting, then I don't agree with anything that's happened in this meeting. You have just sabotaged yourself. You're sabotaging yourself. And as leaders, it's dangerous. And I'm gonna tell you why, leaders, because you will lead somebody else off that same cliff. If you are not able to receive instruction and correction, because they don't say it the way you say it, they don't see it exactly the way that you see it, then I don't want everybody to think just like me. Because I, I, I plateaued because everybody already thinks the same way I do. I need people who believe, but hey, they might have different, different methods on how to do it. Did you hear that? You want somebody to be a believer and believe the things that you believe, but they may not necessarily do it the same way that you do it. So if you just shut them down, then guess what? You have just plateaued. You can only go as far. Oh, that's good, Lord. He says you can only go as far as you're willing to receive. Because God has many different parts in the body and not all the parts of the body have the same function. So if Jewin is a toe, and Sam is a pinky, and Talon is a thumb, and Doug is an index finger. All of you have a, have a function, but it's not the exact same function, but it's still the same body. And if you can't receive from other people, you have plateaued how far God can use you. If I can only talk, if you can only to have a meeting with people who believe just like you. Your meeting will never go any further because you have already plateaued. You, you are only gonna go as high or have as much capacity to receive as the person who is leading. Leaders. Do I have your attention yet? All righty then, well, I'll tell you what. By the time I got off that meeting, well, what meeting was that? Th was that Thursday? I was on that meeting. Thursday, man, I tell you what, they was like, woo. I'm like, one of the most dangerous things I've seen since coming from the States over to, to, to Canada is this. People believe the issues that go on in the States only happens in the States, but it's, it doesn't. It happens in Canada too. The difference is, is in Canada, it's not socially correct to talk about it. That's what they said on this call. Everybody in Canada is collective. Everybody's just in agreement with everybody. I'm like, you lying to me. No, it's not. What you have in Canada, what I can see is passive aggressiveness. People have issues that it's not acceptable to talk about it. So nobody says anything, but trust me, they truly don't believe the same way you believe. They don't respond the same way that you respond. And when, when, I, when we said that, they was like, okay. I said, some of the same stuff that's going on in the States, it goes on here. It just goes, it's, media doesn't talk about it as much. People don't talk about it as much. Now the church says, you know, that somebody needs to really do something. Somebody. We don't know who it is, who that somebody is, but somebody needs to say something. Somebody needs to do something. Be like, God, be like, why don't you say something? Why don't you do something? Oh, no, Lord, no, no, no not me, Lord, <laughs> not me, <laughs> that guy. 
you have a voice. You may not be able to start, start at Parliament Hill, but you can start with your neighbors. You can start in the grocery store. You can start on your job. You are not gonna transform the world talking like the world. You will trans, because that's not what Jesus did. Jesus came to establish and expand the kingdom of God with people. That's how he did it. He went to people. And that's what God is telling us. You're going to have to go to people. How do you know? Well, I'm going to tell you what our mandate is here at Ignite. Our mandate here is, is simple. We are Ignite but great, and we've been assembled to take the kingdom of God, north, south, east, and west. Through our land, we've been call, called to make disciple makers who will impact the seven pillars of influence in our land. We've been called to tear down strongholds and establish new ways of thinking according to the kingdom of God. We've been called to represent heaven and the earth as kings and priests. We've been called to prepare a people for the return of the Lord. I'm not talking about just people who are not saved. I'm talking about people who go to church with you right now. A lot of people go to church, but they have never become part of the church. He also says that we're leader, we're actually leaders of leaders and we're sounding the alarm to all who will hear, it's time to take our places and take the land and establish the kingdom of God living in the city of Ottawa and nation of Canada. Mm -hmm. It will take each of us doing our part in order for this to happen. God has chosen each of us for such a time as this. Now, if I was to give this message a title, the title of this message is called, it would be Hidden Agenda. Hidden Agenda. Okay, hold on before I get there. He says, if you want to understand in, in, a, in a simple way, this is, this is how you understand the mandate for this ministry. From a flicker to a flame, we ignite life and purpose within a generation. So some people might have might only have a flicker on the inside of them. But, time, but about time we ignite life and purpose with the, within this generation through teaching them how to operate according to the kingdom of God, they become a flame. And what does a flame do? A flame, you take one flame and you can ignite many other, many other candles and lives by you doing your part, by being the light in, in the midst of darkness. We've been, we're, now I'm gonna share with you, we're not only an apostolic house, but we are a prophetic ministry that edifies, exhorts, and comfort. We warn uh, of things to come. We intercede for the people. We impart the word of God. We reveal the will and mind of God. We declare judgment against the works of iniquity. We decree the kingdom of God is at hand. We send forth our people to impact the kingdom of darkness with the kingdom of God as ambassadors of Christ. And we manifest the power of God in the earth through signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of the spirit in operation in our everyday lives. Because the next 
The next move that's about to happen in the earth and it's about to happen soon. And there's, there's something that's coming soon that's going to impact the, everybody, but not believers if they understand how to operate according to the kingdom of God. If you're, if you're preparing yourself now, so when it comes, and I'm telling you, it's coming. It's not if, it's when it's coming. You're going to have to be ready in position, ready to do the things that we've been teaching you to do, how to operate according to the, teach people how to operate according to the kingdom of God by faith. Because faith is the currency in the kingdom. Everything that happens in the kingdom of God is by faith. When I say everyday life, I mean your everyday life, not just your Sunday life, your everyday life outside of the, outside of the four walls, outside of your home, on your job, in the community. Because guess what? Remember, you're going to be like ambassadors. You're going to be disciple makers who are going to be having people come to your light because as it gets darker in the earth, people are going to be drawn to the light of the glory of God that's on the inside of you. And guess what you're supposed to do? Have a word to be able to give them to show them how to get out of darkness. You can't do that just sitting back eating ho-ho and bonbons and uh, being a spectator. Just being a believer is not a spectator sport. We actually teach and train and dispatch God's people with the word and love of God to prepare a nation for the coming of the Lord. So we teach and we train and we dispatch. We teach, we train, we dispatch. We teach, we train and dispatch. You know what that's called? Ephesians chapter four, verse 12, where it says that what uh, the fivefold ministry does is we perfect the saints, we fully equip them to do the work of the ministry, to expand and grow the body of Christ. That's exactly what we do. We teach people how to do the works of the ministry, to go forth, not to sit here and just listen, but go forth to do the works of the ministry, to edify and build up the body of Christ. Because right now, people outside these four walls don't see Jesus as a viable solution for their problems. Because the church has not demonstrated that very well. We respond like they respond. Allah, what are we gonna do? Allah, what are we gonna do? As opposed to, okay, fact is those things are going on, but truth is this is what the word of God says about it. Fact is Corona is going around. Truth is a thousand will fall on my side, 10,000 in my right hand, but no harm should come nigh me. Only with my eyes shall I behold and see the reward of the wicked. Where do I get that from? The word of God. But you can't give out what you don't have on the inside of you. So why is this message called Hidden Agenda? I'm going to tell you. Hey, I was spending time with the father yesterday, and he said, I want you to start here. Matthew chapter 24. Now, if you don't have opportunity to flip to all these, all these addresses, write the address down, and then go back and, and read it for yourself. Never take the word of a preacher unless they can show it to you in the word. And then after they show it to you in the word, you still go back and study it for yourself. Why? Because the minister or the leader is only giving you, giving you 
an initial snapshot. When you go back and you hear what the father has to say to you, so you can set up a plan on how to actually impart that action into your life so you can change your world around you. So this is how you do it. You hear the word, you receive the word. You believe the word, you speak the word, and you act out on it. But the only way you're going to be able to act, who that's good, Lord. He said, an example, if you don't know how to do that, is go to Psalms chapter one. Psalms chapter one says that the, he meditated in the word day and night. He meditates in, in his law, does he delight day and night? He meditates on it day and night that he may do it. And he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water whose leaves shall not wither and whatsoever he do shall prosper. But how did he get to the point where he is planted like a tree next to living water? He had to meditate on the word day and night. What does that mean day and night? Does that mean you just carry your Bible around all the time? No, meditation simply means as you mutter it and you say it over and over and over again, man, by Jesus stripes I'm healed. By Jesus stripes I'm healed. Uh-uh. By Jesus stripes I'm healed. By Jesus stripes I'm healed. Because I operate according to the kingdom of God, my God has supplied all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Because I made a decision to honor uh, honor God in my marriage, guess what? My, my, I, I'm gonna love as a husband. I'm gonna love my wife like Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. As a wife, I'm a, I'm gonna honor my husband. Or, 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 yeah, honor my husband as as I, as unto the Lord. In other words, I'm going to give him honor. He's going to give me love when I, we're both working together at the same time. Guess what's going to happen? You have just given God an opportunity to, in, to impact your marriage. But if you do it the world's way, yeah, you know what? I'm tired of you anyway. I'm about to upgrade. This ain't like getting a cell phone. You can't upgrade. Because guess what? You think she got your, your current boo got issues? Now you gotta you gotta get with that next one, and you gotta help them. Y'all both gotta go through that same process of growing together. And and you gave up the eighty for the twenty, and you are gonna find out that the one you gave up, uh, the eighty up on the new one you got, she got twenty missing too, or he got twenty missing too. Just a little nugget. God told me to tell you in quarters in Matthew chapter twenty four. Verse number four, I'm reading out of New American Standard Bible. He says, deception is running rampant. That's why we're talking about hidden, hidden agendas. He says, and Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. Jesus said this. See that you don't be misled or deceived. He says, for, because many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. He also says in verse 11, he says, many false prophets will arise and mislead many. Who is Jesus talking to? The disciples. Who is, who is this message to? church so church i'm telling you in the last days don't be misled or don't be deceived for many will come in my name saying 
I am the Christ. And what will they do? They will mislead many. How do you know that? In the quote of Isaiah chapter five, verse 20, it says this, it says, whoa. And now I would, I would highly recommend that if you started verse five, this is what I did last night. I went back up and read how he got, to, how we got to this thing about the woes. And when you go back and read Isaiah chapter five and you start at verse one and you read down the, 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 in full context, and that's why you can't just pick and choose scriptures. You got to read it in its full context. You will find out what was going on with the children of Israel Why God got to the point where he said, whoa. Uh, why the prophet Isaiah was saying, whoa. And when you go back and read it, it makes, oh, okay, I can see that. He says this, he says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. He says, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. And if there was ever a time People believe that they are so smart and they don't realize that they are going around the same mountain over and over and over again. And pride will tell you, I'm right. Everybody else is wrong. He says, he says, you're seeing it. He says, he says, most believers will say it's only happening outside of the church. But God says, this message today is not only to people who are out, who, who are unbelievers, meaning they're not believers in what it is that, about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but I'm talking to my church. He says, I'm telling you, you have people in the church who are calling evil good and good evil. He says, in the church, you are having people who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. In the church, you have people who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. When you get so full of yourself and you wise in your own eyes, like we said at the very beginning, you are, become a selective worshiper. You become a selective hearer. You have your own narrative and you can't receive correction from anybody. Even though God is the one who's sending them to you. And he's telling, and, and you know that you know when it's God because he's saying the same thing again and again and again. He says, don't be wise in your own eyes. He says, and clever in their own sight. Not only are they wise in their own eyes, but clever in their own sight. You know, what we call that when back in, the, in when I was, you know, younger, we, we say, don't get high on your own supply. Don't get high on your own supply. I mean, don't get so puffed up on, man, I did do that. I'm hurting them today, boy. I'm crushing them. Boy, I preached that message. Ooh, I sung that song. Ooh, I, I laid hands on them. They feel like, ooh, I'm, I'm the thing. Guess what? Without God, without God, you are nothing. In fact, Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. John chapter 15. He says, as long as you, as long as you attach to the branches attached to the vine, you can produce good fruit. But the moment you cut yourself off from the vine, you in of yourself can do nothing. He says this, he says, 
Woe to those who are heroes and drinking wine. When you go back up and read it, you'll understand what that means. And violent men and mixing strong drink who's ju who justify the wicked for a bribe. Did y'all hear that? They justify the wicked for a bribe and take away the rights of the ones who are in the right. Can anybody see that going on? They justify the wicked for a bribe and they, take, they try to take away the rights of the ones who are in the right. I know, Doug wants an example, so I, I got three. <laughs> Love. Now, there, this, this month here in the nation of Canada and also in the States, they got this thing called, I'm not even gonna give them no airtime. This is a very unique month. And, there, and the slogan for the month is love is love. Love is not love. Love is not love. You can say it all day long, love is love. No, it's not. In fact, I got four different versions, four different definitions for the word love because there's four, at least four types of love. In fact, they actually add the, the uh, psychology today actually added three more. But in according to the Greek, there's four types of love. The first type of love is star J love, which is empathy or a bond. That's the, that's the type of love between parents and their children. Then you have what's known as phileo love. Phileo love is just like the word brotherly love. That's when, remember when Jesus asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? And the first two times when Jesus, uh, Jesus asking him, do you agape love me? Peter said, no, I phileo love you. In other words, I love you like a brother. That's why the, in Philadelphia, that's why it's called the city of brotherly love. Then you have what's known as eros. That's E-R-O-S. Eros love is that romantic love. We get our word erotic love from that. Then you have the agape love. Mm -hmm. That's the God type of love. That's that unconditional God love, meaning I'm loving you, expecting nothing in return. Love is not love. But we, this is what happens, though. When people, this is what this is what this is what happens. People take a word. They have a narrative. If the definition of the word does not fit their narrative, they don't change the word they change the definition. If the word doesn't, the definition of that word doesn't fit their narrative, they change the definition of that narrative. I'm gonna give you a prime example. The word gay. Now, if you go back and read in the 1828 definition of the word gay, it, it meant merry, happy, jovial, supportive, uh, fricklesome. It denotes more life and uh, animation than cheerful. In other words, it it's an adjective about how a person responds. He just happy, you, know, you ever say, when Johnny comes marching home again, hurrah, hurrah, we'll sing him. Hurrah, hurrah, girls are saying the boys will shout, the ladies, they will all come out and we'll all feel gay when Johnny comes marching home. You know what the, he's talking about? We're joyful. We're excited because Johnny's coming, marching home. But then it did, that didn't fit the narrative. Is this a message against 
people operating their lifestyle? Absolutely. I mean, God, hey, why don't I trip about that? Because this is it. The Bible says simply, do not commit fornication. That's any type of sex outside of the context of the God definition of marriage. Whether it's heterosexual, homosexual, gay, lesbian, we don't have any, we don't, I'm not bitter towards them. I, I, don't, I don't hate them. I have no animosity towards them at all. Zero, zilch, nada, you heard it from me. I, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the uh, co-sheep, Jesus is the main sheep. Jesus didn't hate them. You know what he did? He loved them to life. How do you know? When he laid down his life on the, on the cross, he laid down his life for them as well. Does that mean he condones the sin? No. But guess what? Newsflash, he doesn't condone fornication either. He doesn't condone heterosexual sex outside of marriage either. So you can't be selective so when people say, when you see the rainbow, does it upset you? Absolutely not. What does that do? It puts me in remembrance of the covenant that God had already made with the earth. If he kept that covenant, man, he'll keep the rest of it. So am I going to get upset? Because the adversary took something that was a covenant that God made with the earth and used it for something that go, went against, and somebody else made a decision to use it for something that goes against his will? No, nah, I don't get upset about that. Because I know what the true meaning of that of the rainbow is so i don't trip why would you trip why are you gonna get all bent out of shape and get all tight and your collar and everything is it going to change the fact that the covenant god made with the earth is still the same is it going to change the fact that the rainbow that god has before the throne is not still there it's still there when i see a covenant i'm as you were when i see a rainbow in the sky man i throw my hands up and shout as a whoo my covenant Ooh, that's a sign of my covenant. And I just then I begin to say out loud the covenant promises that I have with God, and that rainbow is just one a reminder. Mm -hmm. So one of the one of the ways that people are misled or deceived is they take words and they they take the same word and they change the definition. Now, and if you go and read up in uh, the dictionary.com definition of that same word game, it says relating to or exhibiting sexual desires or behavior directed towards people of one's own sex or gender, a, a gay couple. Same word, different definition, different narrative. Did it start within the last five years, 10 years, 20 years? Nope, it started with, this definition started being changed way back in the, in the 1700s. Is what you're seeing going on today something that's new? No. I mean, they, they would tell you, you know, people who, 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 um, who, you know, are activists on, for that will tell you, you know, you guys are just, you know, regressive knuckle dragging Neanderthals buffoons. Be like, let me help you. I, I got one book I could take you to right now can take you thousands of years, not hundreds, thousands of years of people who did the exact same thing you did. It never worked out. And the reason why is simple. A man and a woman were created together to produce, to reproduce in the earth. Biologically, 
I'm not even talking about scripturally, biologically. If, um, if two men want to have a child, that man, no matter how much they do what they do, cannot produce a child. Two women, no matter how much they do, they, can, they cannot produce a child. It will take something from the man and something from the woman to be able to produce life. That's scientific. Do we condemn people? No. Do we judge them? No. Are you welcome at night? Absolutely. Just understand our guidelines for why we say what we do is based off of the Bible. Now, I'm going to tell you something else. In Parliament right now, there's a bill called Bill C6. And this is why we're talking about definitions, because they have a bill. C6 is talking about conversion therapy. Now, I have heard about some pretty horrendous things that people use to bring about conversion therapy that don't work because you can't do something to somebody's flesh and get them to shift. It's not a, it's not a flesh thing. The world and even the church with their narratives is only talking about the flesh, but it's not a flesh thing. It's a spirit thing. And if you only deal with that person's flesh, but you never uh, uh, deal with their spirit or they don't allow God to work with their spirit, guess what's going to happen? They're going to stay in that same lifestyle. Can I tell you something? You don't have to be male on male and female on female. You can be male with female. And guess what? If you get attacked by that same spirit because it's the same spirit, you will be what's known as a whoremonger, which means you will be have promis be promiscuous and you will go from female to female to male to male to male to male because you're trying to fill a void. It starts as a spirit and it influences you. But God sent Jesus and he died on the cross for you and I to come out of that lifestyle. Do I have family members who are experiencing that? Yeah, whether they're heterosexual or lesbian or gay or whatever people wanna call them, yeah. I just call them people. When I was working, when I uh, lived in Atlanta, there was a guy, he was openly, I knew. And I used to talk to him. And he used to ask me, you do know. And I said, yeah, I know. I know what lifestyle you practice. But just because you practice that doesn't, I know where I'm at. You know, people talking about you. They talked about me before I started talking to you. I don't care. And then he told me how he got into that situation. And he was not born that way. Something happened. Mm -hmm. You also have what's going on right now. I'm talking about hidden agendas. You got what's known as cancel culture. Cancel, C-A-N-C-E-L, culture. What is cancel culture? Now, I'm talking about definitions. And this is why I'm telling you, you got to be open because different people have different definitions for the exact same word. If you go out and talk to somebody uh, uh, intellectual and uh, analytical, they will tell you the word cancel culture means uh, a phenomenal of promoting the counseling of people, brands, and even shows and movies due to what some consider to be offensive or problematic remarks or ideologies. So if I don't like your remarks, 
if I consider it to be offensive or pragmatic, or it doesn't go along with my uh, ideology or my way of thinking, then I just, I discard you. Prime example, Ellen DeGeneres. Remember, she was, she was the poster child. Until she started saying, stuff started coming out about her that people did not like. And what did they do? They canceled her. In other words, they cut her off. Psh, we ain't trying to hear that. You got to say, Psh. it's easy. You want to know? You want to one of the the main two one two of the thing main tools the enemy is going to use in these last days: offense and deception. People get offended. When people get offended, this is what they're going to do, Sam. When they get offended, they will betray you. They will hate you. They will they will kill you if necessary because they're offended. Where did offense comes from? What's the source of all offense? Pride. Proverbs 13 and 10. Pride. The source of all contentions is pride. Who is the king of pride? So when you are when you are operating in offense, understand one of you, you are the person you're dealing with is in pride. So the cancel culture on one side of it is, hey, <clears throat> I'm going to cancel you, or your brands, even your shows, your movies, whatever, if I, can, if I consider what you're saying is offensive. It don't mean it is. It just, if I consider it to be offensive, then I'm going to cancel you. I'm going to tell you something else. So if y'all don't see us on YouTube next week, y'all know why. YouTube is owned by Google, right? What YouTube did is that is via Google is if you put anything about uh, the conspiracy about uh, what happened in the States with President Trump in this last election, they are literally taking all your material off, off, off network. You know who else is doing it? Facebook, Twitter. You know what they do? They change the algorithms and uh, algorithms. So when your stuff shows up like that, oh man, that, mm, no, we ain't having that. What are they trying to do? Control the narratives. So if believers don't ever get out and start telling people about the kingdom of God, a person by person by person, how you think they gonna know about it? Leaders. Are y'all seeing it? Have I said anything that y'all can't see for yourself? But I'm gonna give you the urban definition. See, you got the intellectual, analytical. I'm gonna give you out a street version. Street version of council culture is this. Dismiss somebody or somebody to reject an individual or idea. When people use the term, uh, ironically, what they're doing is they're revealing uh, problems with our culture. Council culture is currently exists, doesn't give people a chance to learn from or apologize for their wrongdoing. In other words, you can say the wrong thing. They don't, they cancel you before you even have an opportunity to apologize or give other people an opportunity to learn from their wrongdoings. Uh, that's another way of saying, I'm just gonna cut you off. So I ain't even trying to hear what you gotta say. Can I tell y'all God's attitude about that whole thing? Y'all don't know what God's attitude? Remember, I don't talk to, we don't talk about, woe to those who are calling good evil and evil good. Darkness, light, and light, darkness. Who gonna be deceiving people? Who gonna be 
you know, changing up definitions to meet to fit their own narratives. Who's gonna be cancel culture on you? You know, man, I ain't trying to hear you. If if I believe what you said was offensive, this is God's attitude about that. Proverbs chapter six, verse sixteen says this. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. Can I tell you, it's happening even in the church. God's attitude about that is this. He says, there are six evils. God didn't call the people evil. There are six evils God truly hates and a seventh that is an abomination to him. Number one, putting others down while considering yourself superior. Two, spreading lies and rumors. Three, spilling the blood of the innocent. Four, plotting evil in your heart towards another. Five, gloating over doing what's plainly wrong. Uh, six is spouting lies and false testimony. And seven is stirring up strife between friends. He says, these are entirely despicable to God. So when you're seeing all this stuff carrying out in the media, on social media, in your neighborhoods, in your communities, in your governments, because I'm gonna be straight up. This is what I said. This is what I was saying to June yesterday. Canada must have their own version of Corona that the rest of the world did not get. Or somebody, somebody is somebody, something ain't right. Because China, they locked down for three months. Boom, life went back to normal. States, they locked down for three months. Life pretty, right? If you go over there right now, life's pretty much back to normal. In the UK, they locked down for six months. They're now beginning to get back to normal. But Canada's been over a year. And depending on what providence you, you're in, depends on what, what, what side you're getting. Because over in Quebec right now, go across the bridge, they open, their, they open their borders back up. Kids back in school, they start opening up uh, non-essential, as they consider non-essential. Can I tell you something? The church is essential because you can only do so much, so much weed. You can only drink so much alcohol. You can only be in the house for so long because guess what happened when they put everybody on lockdown? Alcohol addiction went up. Drug addiction went up. Domestic abuse skyrocketed. Guess what else went up higher that nobody's talking about? Suicide rate. Suicide, yes, sir. He says, suicide is at all time high. Why? Because people were never meant to be alone. People were never meant to be alone. So I'm telling you, your government does not have a clue what they're doing. That's why God says, as believers, when you, that's why I'm telling you, you need to pray for them because they don't have a clue. 
Because if they had a clue, they would tell the truth that wearing masks by itself does not prevent. In fact, wearing a mask, a mask full time gives you more opportunity to have a get a different situation. It's called having too much carbon, taking in too much carbon, uh, carbon dioxide. It increased up. How do you know this? Because I worked in the medical field. You wear that mask all the time. They, and they tell you, you got to change that mask. You can't wear a mask all the time. You got to be able to breathe in and breathe out. And they already know that it doesn't work. It doesn't prevent it. Because guess what? People who, who have, who have uh, worn the mask have still contracted the coronavirus. Hidden agendas. There's hidden agendas. This is, this is where I'm going to end it. And this is where I'm going to talk about the church. And this is where I'm going to end because I got the look. Hidden agendas is this. When it comes to the church, 1 Timothy chapter 4. I'm reading out of Passion Translation. Verse number one says this. The Holy Spirit has explicitly revealed at the end of this age, many will depart from the true faith. One after another, devoting themselves to spirits of deception and following demon-inspired revelations and theories. Hypocritical liars will deceive many and their consciences won't even bother them at all. They will require celibacy and dietary restrictions that God doesn't expect. For he created all foods to be received with a celebration of faith by those who fully know the truth. This is Paul writing a letter to Timothy talking about this is what's going to be happening. And the falling away, understand, is not everybody just fall away at once. It's subtle. It's gradual. You got offended. You're still mad. Now you're angry. Now you're bitter. Now you're resentful. Now you don't want to do nothing with no church folk. Now you're sick and tired of their mess. It's a process, but it starts off with, you got offended. If you don't believe that that offense, I told you about your boy, I got offended once, I was ready to leave the church I was attending. In fact, I had my stuff packed, I already knew what church I was gonna go to. And the Lord arrested me on the back pew. I was on the last pew, Sam, I was on the last pew, on the last seat, I was two steps out the door. I had already made up my mind. I am done with them. I wasn't done with God, but I was done with them. But can I give you a newsflash? If you have hostility and offense and bitterness and resentment towards others, how do you think you're going to be able to receive from God when your heart is like that? Your heart is like that. So why do you think the adversary uses offense? Because he knows you get your heart like that. 
And if you run away from the very source that is there to help you, your heart just gets harder and harder and harder and harder. And you still, and you are convinced that you are right. And you are wrong. Your boy, your boy, I was convinced I was right. And they were wrong. In fact, they was, they was correct. They was rebuking me openly from the pulpit. And people who knew me knew that they was blasting me. But when the Lord said this, telling us what he says, he didn't even say it to me nice. He, wouldn't even, he didn't even say, you should forgive them. This is what he said, you forgive them right now. Lord, I forgive by faith because my heart was not in that at all. He says, no, you forgive them from your heart and your head. I'm thinking, do you know what they said to me? Do you know what they did to me? Do you know, do you know it was all about me? It was all about me. It was all about me because I was in pride and I was offended. What they did was none of my business. How I responded to what it is that they did was, Father, by faith, I choose to forgive from my heart and from my head. When I said that, he made a great exchange with me right there. I, I, there was no altar call. It wasn't the great music plan. Cause up to that point, they had been preaching for probably about 30 minutes. I had received nothing. In fact, the more they was talking, the matter I got. See, mm-hmm, see, I told you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's none of my business what they did. It was my business how I responded to them. Because as long as they was in the wrong, and I'm in the wrong, which one of us was giving God an opportunity to do something to fix it? Nobody. So when I repented and I forgave, God took the weight of that offense. And he made the exchange with me that day, Sam. He gave me a heart. He softened my heart only because I allowed him in. And when he took that backpack, 10 minutes later in the service, they start operating according to the gifts of the spirit. And this is what they said. They called me out. Now, nobody knew the conversation me and the Lord was having on the back, on the last seat in the last pew, two feet from the door. But, but the Holy Spirit did. And when they called me to the front, this is what they said. Now, mind you, they had not heard any of the conversation. But he says, but the Lord said, because you have allowed me, what is it? Because you have turned your heart and allowed me to touch it. I'm going to do these things in your life. Boom, I laid hands on me. And I went out under the power of the, of the anointing. What changed? Have they changed? Nope. What changed? I did. 
because all that guy put his hand on it because if I would have stayed in offense, I would have been just like First Timothy chapter four, falling further and further and further away. I had to make a decision. There's hidden agendas all through. I mean, this whole thing about this month is a hidden agenda. Why? Because this is the call. This is the last thing I'm gonna say on that call on 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 Thursday. We was talking about uh, race, racism, and and power. And I said to them, people got all upset about Black Lives Matter. They was all they was marching. They didn't have a mask on. They was marching. Everybody downtown. They hooting. Who? Yes, yes, yes. You cannot let legislate away hate. You cannot legislate away wrong patterns of thinking. To this day, legislatively, in our great city, nothing has changed. But what somebody did do, guy said this, I'm a black transgender man. You should protect me. If you go look at the books, they did just that. There's already a law about no discrimination against a person for race, color, beliefs, sexual identity. That's what conversion, when, that's how conversion therapy came back to the forefront. They use the opportunity of something else to promote it. To get people who are already emotionally charged behind it. And can I tell you something, church? They vocal. Because when you go and talk to the MPs, and we've talked to the MPs, they're vocal about what they don't like and what they want. And MPs, and prime ministers and all that, they understand one thing, votes. Yes. They understand votes. They may not understand anything else, but they understand votes. And if I got enough people complaining about the same thing, I better do something if I want to get back in office. And not deep. Is this a political message? No, it's about this, the, the hidden agendas that's going on in the earth today and how it's even creeping its way into the church. So if you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you want to make a decision today. This is not about Canada. This ain't about United States. This ain't about presidents. This ain't about parliament. This ain't about uh, LGBTQA. I don't know what number they on right now. It ain't about none of that. It's only, it's a, because guess what? All those things are players or puppets in a game who are being, who are being used by the adversary. And for most of them, they don't even know it or they don't care because they don't even believe that there is an adversary. In fact, many people in church don't believe that there's an adversary. So, 
But if you would like to make, make a decision today to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, right? it doesn't matter where you're at, it doesn't matter what you have going on, it doesn't matter what you're doing right now, you can be high, you can be drunk, you can be on weed, you can be laying in the bed with Bob, you can be laying in the bed with Henry, you can be laying in the bed with Mary, Sue, John. I don't care about any of that. Why don't I care? Because God don't care. You made a cognitive decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And he says, this is the way out. Now, is it a process? Absolutely. But you got to start somewhere. You can be an offense. You can be in bitterness. You can be in unforgiveness. You can be an offense. We can fix that for you right now, too. See, the word of God says in accordance to Romans chapter 10, verse 10, it says, the word of God is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That's the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That word saved means healed, delivered, made whole, free. So if you pray this prayer with me, this is the starting point. It's not the finish line. It's the starting point. Pray this prayer with me. Say it out of your mouth. Mean it from your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. I believe he was put in the grave. He's alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. I turn from my sins right now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive it now. I'm healed, delivered, saved, made whole, and protected. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you pray that prayer for the very first time, we want to welcome you, welcome you, welcome you into the kingdom of God. Welcome you back into right relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, back in right relationship with our Heavenly Father. Man, what's your next step? Because remember, I said praying the prayer is only the starting line. It's not the finish line. And unfortunately, too many people stop there. And they consequently, they continue to live the same life they was living before because they don't do the next step. The next step is you got to get in the Bible teaching church that teaches you about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and how to live life according to the kingdom of God. Well, Ignite Depot is that very house. We like to, we are, uh, we teach leaders how to be leaders. We teach people how to be disciple makers. What is a disciple maker? A disciple maker is one who teaches other people about the word of God. Teaching them about the goodness of God. It's not about conversion. It's about discipling them. Why? Because they don't know nothing about your Jesus. So you're trying to clean the fish. You ain't even caught the fish yet. Get in a good Bible-based church. If, you, if your church isn't open, man, we invite you to come join us here. All you got to do is go to Ignite, uh, info at ignitedepot.com, uh, info at ignitedepot.com and register and man we love to have you if you can't make it here because you're too far away because we got people all the way in turkey and in uk and germany and switzerland and states and all that hey tune back in with us next week at 9 30 man we'd love to have you and we'll be giving you part two of this about the hidden agenda we only scratched the surface today man when we get deeper into it you're gonna be like what because we're gonna tell you how the adversary is carrying out the assignment He's carrying it out. When you see how he's doing it, you, hmm. So on behalf of 
of the Ignite Brigade, Sister Joy and myself, we want to thank you for joining us this week. We love you, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.